Every night of their lives, I've done the same thing with my kids. As they go to sleep, I've given them a couple promises. I do this because my dad did this as I was a boy. I remember drifting off to sleep and seeing my father walk into our room, and I remember the feeling of his hand hovering just over my head. And I remember hearing him pray over me in the spirit. I remember asking him about it. I was like, Dad, what is that? He's like, well, I just I pray over you every night. And he did that because that's what his father did, and his father did that because that was his father did. So every night I bless my kids. I promise them a couple things. I lay my hand on their head and I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then I say, Daddy loves you, and Mommy loves you, and Jordy loves you, and Sarah loves you, and Sammy loves you, and Zoe loves you, and Jesus loves you all the time. And then I say, anything you ever want to do in your life, what do you have to do? And they mimic me because they've been blessed this way since before they could speak. They say, put your mind to it. So they tap their heads. Work hard. So they flex their little baby arms. And off you go. Anything you ever want to do in your life, put your mind to it, work hard, and off you go. Two crazy promises. God loves you. And anything you ever want to do in your life, just put your mind to it. Work hard and off you go. Notice I'm a good theologian. I don't tell them, put your mind to it, work hard, and you'll succeed. So I'm put your mind to it, work hard, and off you go. Has your cynicism kicked in yet? These are tough promises, aren't they? God loves you. And anything you ever want to do in your life. Why does our cynicism kick in? Because as adults, we know that promises are made to be broken. Am I right? I learned recently that I have the least trusting personality type in the world. It's like, that's why I feel alone all the time. Can't trust anybody. And sadly, my life experience has largely borne this out. So if you ever feel just, by the way, on a personal note, like I'm kind of keeping things leveraged, I kind of am. Because I'm waiting for the axe to fall all the time. So part of that's personality, and I can overcome that as I walk in the light as he is in the light. But you know it, and I know it. Part of that's just true, right? Promises are made to be broken. Yet another marriage in my circle of friends has fallen apart. If promises are made to be broken, Todd, how can I... Live like the promises are true. Well, you can find a clue to it in Isaiah 48. I thought maybe the Holy Spirit was behind me. That's why y'all were looking. I'm going to start calling E the Holy Ghost. There's a clue for how to live like the promises are true in Isaiah 48. Take a listen. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. 
The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass, because I know that you are obstinate and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass. I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol (laughs) did them, my carved image and my metal image commanded them. You've heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you have not known. They are created now, not long ago, before today you have not heard of them, lest you should say, behold, I knew them. You've never heard, you've never known. From of old, your ear has not been opened, for I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth, you were called a rebel. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, very important, I restrain it from you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I've tried you, hear this, in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Listen to me, O Jacob, and Israel, whom I have called. I am he, I am the first, I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among you has declared these things? The Lord loves him, and he shall perform his purpose on Babylon. He's speaking here about Cyrus. And his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him, and he will prosper in his way. Draw near to me. Hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments then your peace would have been like the river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, there's the clue, and your descendants like its grains. Their names would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, free from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when they led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. I assume you can tell from just listening to the text how stressed out this sermon series is making me. Every week I come to this text and I expect to stand up in this pulpit and fail miserably. That's how glorious the text is. That's how massive and awesome its implications are for you. The big idea in Isaiah 48, if you want to live like the promises are true, live like Abraham, not like the wicked. There's your whole sermon right there. Live like Abraham, not like the wicked. Okay, how? How do I live like Abraham and not like the wicked? Verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. You want to live like Abraham? Listen to God and keep it real. Listen to God and keep it real. Hear this. Listen to God through His Word. Listen to God through His servants. Listen to God through your life circumstances. God is always speaking. It's just possible you're too busy to hear. I don't know if you walk through the world lately and feel like it's the end of the world. 
every single person I pass is doing this. Walking with their phone. I walked through the mall last night. I went to buy a movie for Zoe. I finally got to see The Greatest Showman. Lord have mercy. I'm going to preach good today because of that movie. Rocked my world. You can imagine, I was a blubbering mess. I was ah, crying my eyes out. Zoe keeps patting me like, it's going to be okay, Daddy. I'm like, I know. Jesus is so beautiful. Help me, Lord. Oh, I could sing for you right now. Wasn't that Never Enough song in the middle? It's like, ah, I just want to flag. Ah, so amazing. So I went to buy it last night for Zoe. I'm at the mall. And every single person except for two North African dudes, who I don't know if maybe they're just new to Canada, but they're like North African. You can tell. I know what the physiology of North Africa looks like because I spent time there. I'm like, there's two North African dudes. I almost went up to shake their hand and ask them if they know Jesus because they were the only guys plus me in the mall who weren't doing this. For those of you podcasting this sermon, I'm pretending to be on my phone. It's ridiculous. No wonder God doesn't speak to you. You spend no time doing nothing. Right? Crap, man. Do nothing for a change. Just sit and listen. My father is famous for saying, and of course he's quoting someone greater than him, God moves into the room you make for him. Maybe it's time to lay down your ceaseless striving. Like for one minute and listen. Also, don't be one of those idiot fakers. You do all these things. You swear by the name of the Lord. You confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or in right. Verse 2, for they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name, but not in truth, or in the Hebrew, in righteousness. We must not be those idiot fakers. You know those idiot Christians who offend everybody, make everybody upset? I'm so embarrassed. I spent so much of my life doing damage control. Literally almost every non-church person I've ever become friends with has said to me at some point in our relationship, after they figure out that I'm a pastor, they're like, I never would have thought that about you. (laughs) Like I got leprosy or something. Like, wow, you're incredibly functional for being an idiot. (laughs) It's terrible. I'm like, I'm sorry, I apologize for Alabama. And I apologize for all the Alabama Alabama that's in my heart too. I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. But not in righteousness, not in right action. Action is character. You are what you repeatedly do. You know this in your business. You know this in your life. You know this at the gym. Oh, that we would know this in our relationship with Jesus. You are what you repeatedly do. Take a lesson from your mama. You better act right. You better act right. You ever heard a black mama say that? You you better act right. I wish I had a black mama, I'm telling you. You better act right. Or, of course, let's borrow a line from the great preacher Russell Peters. (laughs) Do the right thing. (laughs) Do the right thing. Act right. And look, it ain't going to be easy because we're basically numbskulls. Look at verses 3 through 8. The former things I declared of old, 
They went out from my mouth, I announced them, then suddenly I did them, they came to pass. Why? Because I know that you are obstinate, and your neck is an iron sinew, and your forehead brass. <laughs> I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you. Why? Lest you should say, ah, oh, I did them. My idol did them. My carved image and my metal image commanded them. You've heard, now see all this, and will you not declare it? From this time forth, I announce to you new things, hidden things that you've not known. They're created now, not long ago. Before today, you've never heard of them. Lest you should say, again, here's the why. Behold, I knew them. You've never heard. You've never known. From of old, your heart has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously, and that from before birth, you were called a rebel. Maybe the Lord is also an eight on the Enneagram. No laughter there. Talked about how I don't trust anybody. The Lord knew that we would deal treacherously. He knew that we're a bunch of fools, basically. A bunch of numbskulls. See if you can uh, spot yourself here. Verse 4. <laughs> we are obstinate. The definition is great. There's actually a picture of me right next to the definition. <laughs> Smiley, looking good. But a fool nonetheless. Obstinate. Stubbornly adhering to an opinion, purpose, or cause in spite of reason, arguments, or persuasion. <laughs> I should make a t-shirt. Obstinate much? Remember your two-year-old used to say every time you told him to do something? Don't want to. Don't want to. I have a hard time with terrorists, two-year-olds. I'm like Ricky Gervais and Night at the Museum. Control your young! <laughs> I see them running around crazy. I'm like, bring your kids to me. I'll set them straight. I should do a summer camp, like, go see Uncle Todd for a second. He'll whoop your kids into shape. Send you home a new kid. Drive me crazy. Don't want to. Bunch of terrorists. You want to be like Abraham, stop acting like a two-year-old. Right? You like guilty as charged there? Verse 5, we're ridiculously materialistic. My idol did it. Nikki was asking me about idolatry in ancient Judaism. She's like, I don't understand. Like, why are they always carrying around idols with them? I'm like, babe, they're not even Jews yet. God's talking to Abraham. Like, God's talking to one guy. The rest of the world, as far as the picture we see in the Bible, pagans, animists, pluralists. Remember the story? Even Sarah brings her household gods with her on the trek to Canaan. Idolatry dies hard, man. I was like, thank God that's there in the Bible. It's the only reason I don't lose hope looking at myself and my people. So I'm like, oh boy. Oh boy. My, my idol did it. I love it. It's ridiculous. So, like, you know, place the idol on top of your preferred proclivity. I did it in my own strength, if you happen to worship yourself. My bank account did it, if you happen to worship money. My job did it, if you happen to worship security. My status did it, if you happen to worship prominence. Always needing a practical, tangible solution, like, we got to cross this river, so we better pray to the river God so we can get across safely. Always needing a practical, tangible solution. Go to the land that I will show you. Genesis 12.1. God says to Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. Uh, when? Uh, where? Where? 
How? Uh, Could I get you to text me a pin? We're going to need a strategic plan for that. I'm just saying, man, I'm here to help. The inveterate need to have everything planned out, predicted, and accounted for is wickedness. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. How do I know? Well, because whatever is not from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. Hard for us to take as comfortable Westerners. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Many of us button-downed A-types need to repent and rediscover wonder. We need to rediscover mystery. We need to rediscover risk. We need to rediscover joy. We need to rediscover the glory of wasted time in the presence of the Lord. Ten bucks says when you're lying on your deathbed, you're not going to say, dang it, I should have worked one more 80-hour week. You stand in front of Jesus one day, you're not going to think, you know, I wish I'd had more money set aside in my RRSPs. That would have been good. So what are you saying, Todd? Like, we should live now like it's then? Kind of. What are you saying? We should live like we don't fit in in this world? Like, we should be strangers and sojourners? Kind of. You want to be like Abraham? Start acting like Abraham. And go to the land that God will show you. To quote a great preacher, find the situation where faith is possible. R.W. Tozer. That's impossible, man. You're asking me to do too much. I know. And God does too. Verse 8, you've never heard, you've never known. From of old your ear has not been opened. For I knew that you would surely deal treacherously and that from before your birth you were called a rebel. That's depressing, isn't it? From before my birth I was called a rebel. So what hope is there for me? What hope is there for us? Why doesn't God just wipe us out? Well, because verses 9 through 11, for my name's sake. Don't you love the Bible? I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will give to no other. Okay, hear this. This is some fairly deep theology of God's forbearance put simply here. Why does God defer his anger? For his name's sake. Period. Okay, he defers his anger for his name's sake. He defers his anger because he wants someone to praise him. And in his mercy, he has chosen you as the ones to give him his glory. Also, period. Y'all with me? 
Why does God defer his anger? For his name's sake? Because he needs someone, he wants someone to praise him. And he wants to get his glory and he's chosen you to give it to him. That's why the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. This is why amazing grace is amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Your Abrahamness is connected to your wretchedness. Do you see? Your Abrahamness is connected to your wretchedness. They're inextricably linked. Well, why? Why? Why is that? Well, because only when you accept your abject need of God and your total need of His mercy does His mercy become the center of your life. Do you see? Only when you realize that in and of yourself you're absolutely sunk, totally lost, and without hope, only then does mercy become an incandescent glory in your life. A glory so profound it's worth centering your life around. You know why Jesus Christ loves sinners? Jesus Christ loves sinners because sinners love Him back. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. This is why he'll do anything to get your attention. Including sending you into exile. So what happens in verses 12 through 16? I won't read them for the sake of time. He's outlining here the fact that he is the divine actor. He is the one who's doing these things. He is the one who has sent his people into exile. He is the one who has chosen Cyrus as the vessel to free his people from exile. He exiled the Jews under Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He decides to set his love upon pagan King Cyrus and to use him to exact vengeance on Babylon. In verse 15, God speaks. God calls. God brings. God prospers. He says in verse 12, I am the first and I am the last. God is the divine actor. You want to be like Abraham? Respond to God's activity. In the words of verse 16, draw near to me and hear this. That's how you respond to God's activity. You draw near to God and you listen to him. And what is he saying? Look at verses 17 through 19. Here's what he's saying. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like the river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would have never been cut off or destroyed from before me. He says it right there. 
Pay attention to him if you want to have peace. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. That's never-ending righteousness, right? That's the picture that the tide comes, the tide goes, the tide comes, the tide goes. That's the kind of righteousness you get when you listen to Jesus as a way of life, when that is the action that you repeatedly take, listening to the Lord. Then your righteousness becomes unstoppable. It becomes never-ending. It becomes something that you don't even control. And your descendants become like the sand of the sea, like its grains. That's Abraham, baby. That is Avraham. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you've done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Good things for Abraham because God is good. Good things for you because God is good. God is so good in fact. He loved you so much, in fact, that He sent His one and only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, the God-man, to live a perfect and a sinless life, to fully fulfill the will of God His Father, to walk in unbroken relationship with Him all the days of His life on this planet. And then in the fullness of time, He sent Him to a Roman cross to be crucified between two thieves so that as He hung there, He might place upon Him the iniquities of us all so that as Jesus hangs on that cross, He atones, He pays once and for all for your sin and mine and indeed for the sins of the world. And he suffers and he dies and he rises again, defeating the power of Satan, sin, death, and hell forever in his body. Hangs out with his friends, eats food. He's totally real, but he's appearing here and there. He's totally supernatural. He then ascends to his father's right hand, sits down in victory, a place from whence he will come again in glory one day to judge the living and the dead and to inaugurate his kingdom, which will have no end, a kingdom in which you have a place. That's your Jesus. And he was sent because God, his father, is so, so good. So uh, how do I respond? Worship team, I'm done. I'll tell you how you respond from verses 20 through 22. Listen to this carefully. Here's how you respond to the gospel of God in Christ. Go out from Babylon. Flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout Proclaim it. Send it out to the ends of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when they led him through the desert. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. You want to respond well? Here's what you do. Run. Don't walk away from captivity to wickedness. Run away. Stop playing with it. Stop toying with it. Run. Run away from captivity to wickedness. Declare the freedom you've been given in Jesus with joy. You've heard 
popular self-help thinking, speak about the power of declaration, of speaking good words over yourself? How about you speak the ultimate good word over yourself and say, I am a daughter of the King, bought with the price. Jesus Christ's blood was shed for me. In Him I am free. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. The victory is the Lord's, and I am His, and He is mine. Let's go. I mean, you could do your own version. But something like that. Declare it with joy. Proclaim liberty to yourself every day. Wake up and say, I'm free. Wake up and say, I win. Wake up and say, I'm whole. Wake up and say, I'm good. Wake up and say, I got the joy of the Lord. Wake up and say, oh, his presence is my constant companion. Wake up and say, the Lord made the heavens. The Lord made the earth. Woo! Let's go. Let's take territory. I mean, you could do it in your own way also. Declare it. Proclaim liberty to the ends of the earth. Somebody asks you why you're good, say, because God is good. Someone asks you why you have joy, say, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Someone asks you why you have peace, you say, because I got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. And they say, you crazy. And you say, that's right. It's the good kind of crazy. The best kind of crazy, man. You need to get crazy. Call the Lord your Redeemer. And then, my friends, who almost hit the pulpit, begin to act like it. How? By walking into impossible situations like a desert with lots of rocks but no water. Walk into that desert full of faith because he made water flow from the rock. He split the rock and water gushed out. Hear me now, church. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sheen by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord encamped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? He made water flow from the rock. He split the rock, and water gushed forth. He is is the God of the impossible. He keeps his promises. So anything you ever want to do in your life, put your mind to it, work hard, and off you go.